calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Howdy, junkie. How you doing today? Hope everything is going well in your life. As I said last week, our new site is up at scottsigler.com. I know, I know, no one goes to websites anymore. That's why this is more of an e-commerce site where we can not only podcast and blog, we can sell all of our goodies in a way that lets us tie in directly to our newsletter, blog posts, SMS, text alerts, all that good stuff. And speaking of text alerts, you've got another week to text the word SIGTEXT, that's S-I-G-T-E-X-T, one word, to 855-955-5095. That's going to get you 10% off all of our new stuff we're launching on April 1st, 2023. That's right, we will have stuff for Sigler Ascension Day. All our new stuff, all our old stuff as well. Again, text SIGTEXT, S-I-G-T-E-X-T, 2855-955-5095, and you'll get a coupon to save 10% on our new merch, and also on our old merch as well. We text you when episodes get posted, when there's new books and merch, when there's newsworthy stuff, and of course, for our live streams, which happen every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, they're a ton of fun. We hope you can join us for one of those. Now, let's get on to Slay, episode number nine. Let me get you caught up on the story, and then we're all going to go sign the Welcome to the Neighborhood card. Previously on Slay, Lincoln was ordered by Kalista to murder Ariella Goldsmith. When Lincoln attempted to fulfill that mission, Ariella told him she could save Sam, Lincoln's son. Lincoln decided to go into business with Ariella in order to earn the treasure necessary to rescue Sam. But Ariella is still in Kalista's sights, and that is a bad place to be. Lincoln had Ariella quickly pack what she could because the only way she could survive was to hide away in Lincoln's home, a century old, rundown stone church. Meanwhile, Billy Lil B. Middleton is dealing with his first dose of Nurple, a drug that made him see monsters. Billy had set up a cocaine deal between Dante Oganov, a Russian mobster, and the Rodriguez brothers, local importers of Bolivian Flake. During that deal, Dante forced Billy, at gunpoint, to do a dab of Nurple, which had disturbing effects on Billy. Not the least of which seems to be an instant addiction to the stuff an addiction that has Billy in rough shape. And now, episode nine of Slay. 
shivering, sweating, hurting. Billy felt another wave of nausea. Seconds later, the last of his lunch came up. He had been sick all day, all goddamn day, most of which he had spent in bed, shivering, unable to get warm, unable to stop sweating, puking into a little trash can. He'd eaten a bowl of cereal for breakfast, then half a grilled cheese sandwich for lunch, and both had come back up hours later. Billy baby, you sure you're okay? Good old Gramps couldn't slip one past her. She was right outside the door to his room. I'm good. Billy was a damn far sight from good. Don't worry, Grandma, I'm fine. The silence of her hesitation. Billy, baby, you know you can talk to me, right? You know you can tell your grandmother about anything. He wanted to. He wanted to tell her everything. Have her tell him that it would be okay. That he had messed up, but he'd make it right. He wanted to tell her everything, but he couldn't. She would be so disappointed in him. So ashamed. He couldn't tell her that he'd set up a major drug deal. He couldn't tell her that Joe, who, when they were children, had spent the night here more times than Billy could remember, the Joe that Grandma had adored, was dead. The top of his head blown off by a shotgun. And above all, Billy sure as hell couldn't tell Grandma that he'd taken a crazy drug that made him see monsters. I know I can tell you, Grandma. Just uh, upset tummy, that's all. Honest. More silence. All right, Billy baby. I'm going to go watch my programs. He heard the floorboards creak with her steps. Billy hated lying to her. She had raised him after his parents died. She'd given him a home, given him love, given him support. And how had he repaid her? By getting into the drug game. The drug game that oh-so-politely introduced Billy to Nurple. It had probably been a risk to Google the stuff, because maybe cops were scanning internet traffic for mentions, but he had searched anyway. He'd found a weed-infused drink of the same name made in Ohio. No reference to monsters or magic associated with that, though. There was a cocktail by that name as well. Malibu rum, triple sec, blue curacao liquor, and cranberry juice. Apparently, a character on the show Supernatural liked it. The word was also slang for an Australian school kid's butt after getting a whipping from a headmaster. And, of course, a purple nurple was also the result of a titty twister. Billy had found lots of stuff, but nothing came close to what he was experiencing. Billy had even risked a chat GPT search. That shit was probably a direct line to the NSA or something, a government trick to get dumbasses to ask about bombs and nationalism and protests and the like, but he was desperate. So he had entered, how does the drug Purple Nurple make me see magic? Chat GPT had answered, as an AI language model, I don't have any information about a drug called Purple Nurple. It's possible that this drug is a slang term for a specific substance, or it may not be a real drug at all. Some drugs can cause hallucinations, which can lead to altered perceptions of reality and potentially, quote, magical, end quote, experiences. However, 
These experiences can also be dangerous and unpredictable, and it's important to be aware of the risks associated with drug use. Unpredictable? Dangerous? No fucking shit. That answer, though, gave Billy some hope. Maybe the monsters he'd seen had been in his head all along. But the monsters weren't the issue at the moment. Feeling like a bag of boiled assholes was. Maybe Nurple was comparable to heroin and that there was a substitute for it, something to help him with the DTs. Or maybe just one more hit of the stuff to ease the shakes and the pain and... No. He would never do another dab. Never. No matter how bad it hurt. He needed answers. That mailbox. That talking mailbox had said the NERP perp dealt the stuff. Maybe Billy could ask the NERP perp. But wasn't the big mouth mailbox part of the hallucination too? But what if it wasn't? What if the monsters were real? He needed answers. Just going to the Nerp Perp's alley didn't mean Billy was going to buy a vial or do a dab. It didn't mean that at all. It was probably just a regular old alley. There probably weren't glowing magic letters on the alley wall. The mailbox was probably just a mailbox. Probably. But Billy needed to know. He slid out of the bed and started pulling on his clothes. This is where you live, Ariella said. Seriously? Lincoln leaned his bike to the left, a hint for her to get off. She did. Home sweet home, he said, and slid off himself. Ariella Goldsmith shrugged, adjusting her backpack straps. She stared at the boarded-up church. Looks like it should be condemned, she said. It had been condemned. Twice. It looks better in the daylight, Lincoln said. Ariella side-eyed him, hopeful but also doubtful. She didn't buy it for a second. You sure it's safe, Lincoln? You sure? He didn't feel like answering that question. Not truthfully, anyway. It's the safest place you'll get, he said. Come on. He rolled the bike up the concrete handicap ramp. Ariella hesitated, then followed. She wasn't the confident lawyer anymore. Lincoln didn't know much about Ariella, but he knew her world had just been ripped out from beneath her. Lincoln deactivated the protection spell on the door. The noise and the hair-raising energy generated by that seemed to make Ariella relax just a bit. She believed in that part, at least. A huff of air overhead, Ariella ducked, threw up an arm. Shitbird landed on the stone molding above the door. The only good lawyer is a dead lawyer, a dead lawyer! Lincoln bent, picked up a thumbnail-sized bit of loose concrete, and whizzed it at the crow. The pebble bounced off the blackbird's chest. Shitbird flapped aloft. Fuck off, Lincoln said. Shitbird circled once, shouted, You smell like an ass crack, an ass crack, an ass crack! Then vanished into the night. Ariella slid off her backpack, held it in one hand. She'd packed enough stuff into it that the weight made her lean slightly 
to the left. Lincoln started to open the door, but he paused. He looked at her. Do you like dogs? Ariella sagged. Not only is this place condemned, but you have a dog too? I'll take that as a no, Lincoln said. Don't worry, she's little. You got nothing to fear but being licked to death. Ariella huffed. Normally that phrase is a promise, not a warning, but in this case, I'm less than enthused. Not everyone liked dogs. That was the way of things. Ariella would just have to tough it out. You forgot to mention the dog, Ariella said. Anything else you forgot to mention? Lincoln winced. Maybe he should have called ahead. I, uh, I have a roommate. She's occasionally less than nice. Ariella raised one eyebrow. Not exactly a ringing endorsement of hospitality. She shrugged. And it's not like I have any choice, right? She did not. Not at all. Let's get you out of sight, Lincoln said. Welcome home. He opened the door and rolled his bike through. Ariella followed him in. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Billy stumbled along 2nd Street, arms crossed tight over his stomach. He knew he looked like the other junkies in his neighborhood, the tweakers, the cottonheads, the drunks, all either gassed to the gills or hurting for their next hit. Hurting like Billy. The effects were starting to fade. Maybe. He still saw magic signs here and there, letters glowing in the dark night, either tastefully designed atop existing store banners or spray-painted on walls and doors. But they were few and far between, and they didn't glow with the intensity he'd seen when he had first dosed. Same signs, same places. Even though they weren't as bright, weren't as pronounced, Billy knew that wasn't how hallucinations worked. A cramp crunched his stomach, made him almost double over. It was dark out, but still early. People mostly ignored him. A few saw him, shook their heads, looked to the sidewalk, their visible sadness silently shouting, there goes another one. He understood what they saw. Another young man sliding down the bottomless slope of drugs. But that wasn't him. He had never done that shit. Mostly thanks to Grandma's guidance, her discipline, her love and patience. 
while many of Billy's friends tried this drug or that and careened off in a never-never land, Billy stayed clean. He realized that if he, too, stared at the sidewalk, he wouldn't see the people looking at him, judging him. He kept his eyes down, and he kept moving, willing his feet to take one more step, one more step. Three blocks to go, to reach the mailbox and the Nerp Perps Alley. Well, goddamn, look who it is, little B himself. Oh, shit. Billy looked up, saw Butch Johnson leaning against the side of a midnight blue Chrysler 300 sitting in a 7-Eleven parking lot, black leather jacket, a bulwark against the cold Billy had barely registered. Big Hack and Money Monday were with him, also suitably bundled up. All three stared straight at Billy. Billy's sickness had erased his common sense. Instead of going down Fifth Street, he'd shambled down Second, straight into the territory of the rolling outlaws. Where you been hiding, little bee? Butch stepped away from his gleaming car. You make us think you don't like us no more. Billy couldn't fight for shit to begin with. Dope sick like this? He didn't stand a chance. Big Hack's real name was Kamare. Money was Monday's actual last name, which was pretty damn cool, but his real first name was Clarence. Butch, on the other hand, he didn't have a nickname. With a name like Butch, he didn't need one. Butch's mother had been a fan of westerns. Billy knew this because he, Joe, Butch, and Kamare had been in grade school together. Money Monday had been two years back. Billy, Kamare, Butch, and Joe had played together as kids. In the fifth grade, maybe the sixth, that all started to change. Kids separated into cliques. The thugs, the cool kids, the jocks, the nerds. Butch had been in the first group, Billy and Joe firmly in the last. Kamare had been a jock, but by high school, he'd fallen off of that, instead rolling with Butch as Butch started working his way up the local street structure. Damn, little bee, Money Monday said. You strung out! So much for don't get high on your own supply! If Billy had been feeling 100%, he might have run for it. But Big Hack was fast as fuck and would catch up. Although, the rolling outlaws didn't like to chase all that much. They were more like spiders. They waited. They weren't lions chasing down prey. They were ambush predators. They set up shop and waited for people to unknowingly come to them. Exactly as Billy had just done. Yeah, you hooked, Big Hack said. Imagine that. Smart little motherfucker like you got hooked? Goes to show you never know. That's the real, Butch said. Say, B, didn't you lord it over us that you was never going to get hooked? You're holier-than-thou ass sucking dicks for a fix yet? Billy had never lorded anything over anyone. No matter who offered him what, no matter how much shame or bullying they cast on him to join in to become a loyal customer, he had refused. The fact that he'd quietly stood his ground pissed off those who had not stood theirs far more than mere words or fists could ever do. But his undefeated record ended in the warehouse, with Joe and Dante 
and that psycho killer in the gray cloak. Dante had forced Billy to do a dab. For all of Billy's pride in staying clean, he wanted to live far more. A gun to your head is a powerful motivator. It ain't like that, Butch, Billy said. Goddamn. His voice was a bit deeper, raggedy from lack of sleep and vomiting. He even sounded like a strung-out junkie. Butch walked closer, money and big hack at his sides. Billy now wished he had run first thing, but it was too late for that. He'd made the wrong choice. A lot of that going down in his life these days. No one would come to Billy's defense. Not here. Not in the heart of rolling outlaws' turf. Yeah, I bet it ain't like that, Butch said. Look at you. Smooth talking. Valedictorian, book-reading motherfucker like you, not only getting hooked, but making money moves as well. I heard you're slinging coke now. I heard you working for some out-of-towner, setting up deals like Scarface himself. That right, little B? Billy had kept things quiet, but he'd known word would get out eventually. Word always does. Now that it had, people knowing he'd been a player in the drug deal filled him with shame. Everyone always told him how smart he was, but his choices showed the opposite. That ain't me, Butch, Billy said. I don't know what you're talking about. Butch squinted, leaned a touch closer. Billy smelled Cool Ranch Doritos on his breath. The fuck you ain't, Butch said. The Rodriguez brothers told me themselves. Well, that was that. The Rodriguez brothers had acquired the coke that Dante Oganov had paid for. Butch knew the score. Pretending the deal hadn't happened, that Billy hadn't set it up, that would only insult Butch. And an insulted Butch was bad juju. It was a, it was a one-time thing, Billy said. Grams needed an operation. One and done for me, man. One and done. Billy saw the fist coming, but he couldn't make his body do anything about it. Butch's jab snapped Billy's head backward. Another fist thudded into his gut. Breathless, Billy stumbled, dropped to the sidewalk. Good lord, but that guy could hit. Hands grabbed Billy, dragged him around a corner. He gasped for air, then froze when a gun barrel slid into his mouth, scraping against his teeth. It ain't a one-time thing, Butch said, because that ain't how it works. It ain't good enough for you to be the smartest motherfucker in the neighborhood. You have to treat me like I'm stupid. Billy's eyes crossed as he looked at the finger on the trigger of the pistol shoved into his mouth. Then up at Butch, who held the pistol. Butch looked worn, roughed up, and textured by his life on the streets. You're going to cut me in, Butch said. Right, my old friend? Billy's pain didn't vanish, but it moved back, hid away behind a new problem, a big problem. If he said the wrong thing, a bullet would rip out the back of his head. He would wind up just like Joe. So Billy did the only thing he could. He nodded. He nodded slowly. You're going to give me 10%, Butch said, of everything you make from them. And I can guess what you're thinking, Billy. 
You're thinking you're going to ignore me, or you'll get your new buddies to come put the boot on me to back off. You know what I know that they don't know, Lil B? Billy shook his head. He shook it slowly. I know where you live, Butch said. More than that, I know where your grandma lives. The cold that flooded through Billy's chest wasn't from the DTs. Not this time. The thought of these jerks breaking into the apartment, scaring Grams, maybe roughing her up, maybe killing her? Billy had fucked around, but it would be Grandma that found out. I know you're playing with the big-timers now, Butch said. You might be thinking you can go to them to get me off your back. Anyone steps to me, or I don't get my money, and I'll pay Grams a visit. You got me, Lopey? The gun slid free of Billy's mouth, the front sight clicking against his upper teeth as it did. He could still taste the metal on his tongue. There was a time to be a smartass. There was a time to talk your way out of trouble. There was a time to use words to shine people on, confuse them, make them ask internal questions to which only you could provide the answers. This was not any of those times. I got you, Billy said. Butch nodded. That's good. We're going to start there. Then, in a few weeks, you'll introduce me to these people. Don't worry, valedictorian. It's all going to work out. Me and my boys get paid, you get paid. And Grams gets to keep on being Grams. You got me? I got you, Billy said. Then, a double-sized cramp squeezed Billy's guts like a fist squishing a handful of mashed potatoes. He made one abbreviated hoiking sound, and then his stomach, his traitorous jackass of a stomach, found something else to throw up. Pale purple vomit splashed against Butch's face and his black leather jacket. Billy sort of saw the pistol whip away, then flash forward, but after it landed, he didn't know where the rest of the blows came from. You have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.